You are listening to The Pregnancy Podcast with Vanessa Merton. Hello, thank you for tuning into The Pregnancy Podcast. Check out the Your Birth Plan book for the resource that you need to create and write your birth plan. This book is going to help you prepare for the birth experience that you want, and you get a template and a ton of samples that's going to make writing your birth plan so simple. To find it, you can just search Your Birth Plan on Amazon, or there are links to it on the Pregnancy Podcast website. Last episode, we talked about vaccines in the first two years of your baby's life. That was a general overview of vaccines. We kind of went through some of the concerns around vaccines, talked about vaccination schedules and alternative vaccination schedules. That episode goes hand in hand with the episode that we are talking about today. So if you missed that episode, I really suggest that you go back and listen to episode 66. This week, we are talking about individual vaccines. As you are making decisions on vaccines, you really need to look at what the risks of the disease are that the vaccine prevents as well as the risks of the vaccine. And as if that is not enough of a challenge to sift through all of that, there's often multiple manufacturers for one vaccine, and each of the different vaccines is going to vary a little bit. So in this episode, I really just wanted to break down each of the diseases so that when you are hearing about a hepatitis B vaccine, you know exactly what hep B is. And then just run through the different manufacturers that make the vaccines for each disease and tell you a little bit about the differences between them. You know that vaccines are a very controversial topic. Like I said, the last episode was more of an overview of the vaccines in the first two years to give you a good base of some of the information available. And then this episode's just a bit on each vaccine. Of course, it is impossible for me to analyze every single study done, and I want to wrap up vaccines this week and move on to some other topics. I really urge you to bring up any questions or concerns or anything about vaccines with your child's care provider or pediatrician. And you know that I am not for or against vaccines. I strongly believe that you should be able to make the choice as to whether or not your baby receives any vaccine. And I know that if you're listening to this podcast, that you're making an informed decision and not one based on fear. We talked last week about the CDC vaccination schedule. You know that I'm in the United States, and I know that a lot of you are. But if you live in another country, this episode's still going to be valuable because the U.S. has more vaccines than any other country. So by covering the guidelines in the U.S., I should cover what vaccines are generally done in whatever country it is that you live in. Really quick, just to recap that vaccination schedule, shots are generally given at birth at one month, two months, four, six, 12 months, 15 months, and 18 months. And a lot of those visits, it's recommended that there are multiple shots done. And as I talk about each vaccine, I'll tell you when it is recommended that those shots are given. Any medication can cause a severe allergic reaction. 
Such reactions from a vaccine are very rare. They're estimated at about one in a million doses, and they would happen within a few minutes to a few hours after the vaccination. And with any medicine, there is a very remote chance of a vaccine causing a serious injury or death. These warnings are straight from the CDC website. This is stuff that does not happen often, but it does happen. And so I did want to mention it. The most common side effects that you see with vaccines is pain, redness, or swelling at the injection site, which is generally going to be in your child's thigh or in their arm. Other common side effects are fever, drowsiness, and irritability. And with every vaccine, there are more rare and serious possible side effects. I don't want to spend hours pouring through the rates of all of those and what they are. And all of those are going to be listed in the package inserts for each vaccine, which are all linked up in the show notes. For each vaccine, I'm going to run through what the vaccine is for, the available brands of the vaccine, and the company that manufactures it, when it was approved, and like I said, a link to the package insert will be in the show notes. The package insert contains everything about the vaccines from the manufacturer. This is quite a lengthy read, and it has results from clinical trials, possible side effects and adverse reactions, and the rates of those, and all of the ingredients. So there's a lot of information in these package inserts. I linked to the package insert from the FDA website as opposed to the manufacturer site because the format is consistent. So it makes it a lot easier if you're looking at two different brands to compare those. And since aluminum has been raised as a big concern, and I talked about that a lot last episode, I'm going to note the aluminum in each of the vaccines, which could be helpful if you are comparing different brands and you're concerned about that. Your pediatrician may only carry one brand, so you need to find out what it is that they carry, and if you want a different brand, find out if it's possible for them to obtain that for you. Show notes for this episode can be found at pregnancypodcast.com forward slash episode 67. This is going to be a really good page for you to reference back to, and there are a ton of links with more specifics on each vaccine. So rather than having to hunt for all of this online, everything is organized in one page for you on the website. Let's just go through these in chronological order. Hepatitis B is a virus, and the disease can affect the liver. Every year in the United States, about 2,000 people die from Hep B-related liver disease. This is a bigger problem in other parts of the world. The World Health Organization estimates that over 2 billion people have hepatitis B worldwide. And just a side note on travel, if you do plan to do a lot of traveling with your family, especially to some other underdeveloped parts of the world, you should be taking that into consideration when you are thinking about whether or not to give your child these vaccines. Hepatitis B is spread when blood, semen, or other body fluid infected with the hepatitis B virus enters the body of a person who is not infected. So transmission of this is most commonly through intercourse, sharing needles, sharing toothbrushes or razors with somebody who is infected, or coming into contact with blood of somebody who's infected. An argument against this vaccine is that 
Obviously, your baby isn't being exposed to sharing needles or sexual activity, so they're not going to be exposed to hep B from those sources. There's also some concern about giving your baby the initial shot just after birth. And some parents argue that hospitals require this just to get an initial dose to the largest amount of people possible, which does make sense. And you could postpone this if you wanted to talk to your pediatrician and get their thoughts on that if you're concerned about giving this shot shortly after birth. There are three doses total. The first dose is recommended at some point before you leave the hospital or birth center, wherever you're having your baby. The second dose is done at one or two months. And then the third dose is done between six and 18 months. I'll put a link to CDC information on the hepatitis B vaccine in the show notes. And the World Health Organization has a really thorough article. If you want to read more, I'll link to that as well. The hepatitis B vaccine is available from two manufacturers. Recombivax HB was approved in 1986 by Merck. This contains 0.5 milligrams of aluminum. And then the Ingerix B is produced by GlaxoSmithKline. That was approved in 1989. And that one contains 0.25 milligrams of aluminum. So about half of the Recombivax. And links to the package inserts for every vaccine I talk about is all in the show notes. The next recommended vaccine is DTaP, and this is for diphtheria, tetanus, and pertussis. This differs slightly from Tdap, which I talked about in episode 64, which is recommended for you during your pregnancy. With the DTaP, there are five doses total. There's four within the first 18 months at two, four, six, and then between 15 and 18 months. And then the fifth dose is usually between four to six years old. Diphtheria is pretty rare in the United States today. It can cause a thick coating to form in the back of the throat and can lead to breathing problems, heart failure, paralysis, and even death. Tetanus is also very rare in the United States. It causes painful muscle tightening and stiffness, usually all over the body, and it can sometimes lead to tightening of the muscles in the head and neck so that you can't open your mouth, swallow, or sometimes even breathe. Tetanus, although it's rare, is pretty serious because it kills about 1 in 10 people who are infected with it, even with the best medical care. Whooping cough or pertussis is a highly contagious respiratory tract infection. This is caused by a bacteria that's airborne when an infected person coughs or sneezes. And then within about 10 days of becoming infected, the first signs that you would see are a runny nose, nasal congestion, red watery eyes, fever, and a cough. After about a week or two, the signs and symptoms tend to worsen and a thick mucus accumulates inside your airways, which causes uncontrollable coughing. And when infants are infected with pertussis, they may not cough at all. They might just struggle to breathe or temporarily stop breathing. About half of babies who get whooping cough end up in the hospital. And the younger that they are when they get whooping cough, the more likely it is that they need to be treated in the hospital. Of babies who are hospitalized with whooping cough, About one in four get pneumonia, 
and about one or two out of every hundred do not survive. So whooping cough is pretty serious for infants. I will link to CDC information on DTaP and all of those diseases in the show notes. There are three different vaccines that are done for the DTaP. The first is Daptacel, and this is manufactured by Sanofi Pasteur. It was approved in 2002. This is a five-dose series, and it has 0.33 milligrams of aluminum. The next one is called Infanrix, and this is manufactured by GlaxoSmithKline. It was approved in 1997, and this one has 0.625 milligrams of aluminum, so about double the aluminum in the Daptacel. And then the last option is PDRX, which is also by GlaxoSmithKline. And this is the Tdap shot, plus it has hep B and polio in it. There's a lot of different combination vaccines, so it's really important for you to ask your pediatrician which brands they're using, and then you can work backwards and find out exactly what's in it. The PDRX was approved in 2002, and the DTaP in this is the same as Infinrix, which we just talked about. That one had the 0.33 milligrams of aluminum. And the Hep B is the same as Ingerix B, which we talked about a couple minutes ago. This is a three-dose series, so it's two doses less than the first two that we talked about. And this has 0.85 milligrams of aluminum. So it's a bit higher than the other two Tdap vaccines, but it also does contain the vaccines for hepatitis B and polio. Hib, which is HIB, is short for hemophilus influenza type B. This is a disease that is caused by bacteria. And before the Hib vaccine was available, Hib disease was the leading cause of bacterial meningitis among children under five in the United States. Meningitis is an infection of the lining of the brain and spinal cord. So it can lead to brain damage and deafness. Hib disease can also cause pneumonia, severe swelling in the throat. It can cause infections in the blood, joints, bones, and the covering of the heart, and it can even cause death in rare cases. This is a three or four dose vaccine, which generally happens at two months, four months, and then 12 to 16 months. I'll link to more CDC information on the Hib vaccine in the show notes. And according to the CDC, before the Hib vaccine, about 20,000 children in the United States under five years old got Hib disease every year, and about three to six percent of them died. So since the use of this vaccine, deaths have decreased by more than 99 percent. When thinking about these statistics, I mean, it makes sense as to why organizations like the CDC, the American Academy of Pediatrics are for vaccinations, because overall, when you're looking at the whole population, it is having a positive impact on curbing some of the health issues and deaths from a lot of these diseases. Of course, that's not to say that there aren't risks in the vaccines. And I talked about a ton of those last week. And like I said, if you want to see more on specific risks for each vaccine, you can check out links in the show notes. 
So for Hib, there are five different manufacturers of this vaccine. The first one is Pedvax Hib, which is manufactured by Merck. This was approved in 1989. With this one, you have two doses between 12 to 14 months, two months apart. And then the third dose is going to be at least two months later after that. This one has 0.025 milligrams of aluminum. The next one is ACT-HIB, which is by Sanofi Pasteur. That was approved in 1993. This is a four-dose series, so one additional shot from the PEDVAX-HIB. There's no aluminum in this one. Hibarix, which is by GlaxoSmithKline, was approved in 2009. This is also a four-dose series with no aluminum. There's also COMVAX which is for Hib and hepatitis B. This is manufactured by Merck. It was approved in 1996. And this one has 0.225 milligrams of aluminum. And the last one is the Min Hybrix. This is manufactured by GlaxoSmithKline. And this is a vaccine for Hib and the meningococcal. It was approved in 2012, and it's a four-dose series that does not contain aluminum. The next vaccine that would be recommended is the pneumococcal conjugate. Pneumococcal disease is caused by a bacteria that can spread from person to person through close contact. This can cause ear infections and can also lead to more serious infections of the lungs, like pneumonia, infections of the blood, and covering of the brain and spinal cord, which would be meningitis. Pneumococcal pneumonia is most common among adults, and pneumococcal meningitis can cause deafness and brain damage, and it kills about 1 in 10 children who get it. There are four doses of this vaccine that are recommended at 2, 4, 6, months and then 12 to 18 months. I'll link to more info from the CDC on this in the show notes. There are two different manufacturers of this vaccine. The first is Prevnar 13. This is probably going to be the one that's recommended by your pediatrician. This is manufactured by Pfizer and it was approved in 2010. And this contains 0.125 milligrams of aluminum. The other vaccine for the pneumococcal conjugate is Pneumovax 23. And this is not approved for children under two years. So since we're focusing on vaccines during the first two years, I don't want to get into too many details on this one, but it is something that you could come across when your child is older. The next vaccine is the polio virus. This is four doses. That's usually done at two months, four months, six to 18 months. And then there's a fourth dose between four and six years old. Polio has nearly been eradicated. And this is primarily due to the use of vaccines. The polio virus attacks your nervous system. And about 1% of people with polio develop paralysis. Polio is transmitted by oral contact or with contact from fecal matter. And as far as we know, polio is now only found in Afghanistan, Nigeria, and Pakistan. So this is eradicated in most of the world. An argument against this vaccine is that polio is virtually non-existent in most of the world. 
And in the United States, we've been polio-free since 1979. But like I said, this is largely due to very high vaccination rates, which have led to eradication. There's only one manufacturer for the polio vaccine, and it's called IPOL by Sanofi Pasteur. This was approved in 1990. It's an inactivated vaccine that contains all three types of the polio virus, and it does not contain aluminum. The next vaccine on the recommended schedule is rotavirus. Rotavirus can cause gastroenteritis, which is inflammation of the intestines and the stomach, which can cause diarrhea, vomiting, fever. It can often cause severe dehydration, which can require hospitalization, and in rare cases, it can cause death. The CDC estimates that each year, the vaccine prevents an estimated 40,000 to 50,000 hospitalizations among U.S. infants and young children. Even with the shot, your baby still could get sick from another virus, so this just protects them from rotavirus. The doses on this are going to differ from the manufacturer, and it's going to be either a two or three dose vaccine. The good news about the rotavirus vaccine is that it's an oral vaccine and not a shot. And I'll link to CDC info on this vaccine in the show notes. There's two options on this. The first is Rotatech, which is manufactured by Merck. This was approved in 2006. There's three doses to this vaccine done at two, four, and six months. And this contains five live rotaviruses that replicate in the small intestine, and that's going to help induce immunity. And there's no aluminum in this vaccine. The other option is Rotarix, which is manufactured by GlaxoSmithKline. This one was approved in 2008. This one's just two doses done at two and four months. Also, this is given orally, so it's not a shot. One argument against this vaccine in general is that it protects about 9 in 10 babies from severe rotavirus gastroenteritis. So it's not 100% effective. And it protects 7 in 10 babies from any form of the rotavirus. So there are some people that argue, well, if it's not 100% effective, what's the point? But it still does offer some protection against the rotavirus. At six months, it's recommended that your baby get a flu shot, and then this is recommended annually. According to the CDC, each year, an average of about 20,000 children under five are hospitalized because of complications from the flu. I covered the flu vaccine in a lot of detail in episode 65, and although we were talking about flu vaccines during pregnancy, a lot of this information is going to apply if you are thinking about giving the flu vaccine to your baby. There are 12 different types of flu vaccines. I'm not going to spend an hour sifting through all of the different kinds. I'll put a link in the show notes that lists all 12 of them on the CDC site. And it does list mercury content for each, whether the vaccine contains latex, and whether it's single or multi-dose. The reason that you want to pay attention to single or multi-dose when you're talking about flu vaccines is that the multi-dose vaccines contain thimerosal. 
Thimerosal is mercury, which has been removed from almost every vaccine except flu vaccines. They put this in the multi-dose because they want to protect it from growth of bacteria and fungus because each vial contains multiple doses that are going to be used for different people. So there has been a lot of concern raised about thimerosal and mercury. And if you want to avoid that, then you would want to make sure that you get a single dose vaccine. Like I said, I went into a lot of detail on the flu and the flu vaccine in episode 65. So if you haven't listened to that, I really recommend you go back and check it out. And I will put a link to that in the show notes. The next vaccine on the recommended schedule is the MMR vaccine, which is for measles, mumps, and rubella. These are three common childhood diseases that are caused by the measles virus, the mumps virus, and the rubella virus. And these can be associated with serious complications. For example, pneumonia can be caused by the measles. Mumps is associated with aseptic meningitis, deafness, and rubella during pregnancy can cause congenital rubella syndrome in the infants of infected mothers. This is the vaccine that was falsely linked to autism in the 90s. And I talked about a lot of those concerns in the last episode, episode 66. So I'm not going to get into that today. But the MMR vaccine is given in two doses. The first one between 12 to 18 months and the second one between four to six years. This is available from two different manufacturers. The first one is the MMR2 which is manufactured by Merck. This was approved in 1978. And then the second one is ProQuad. This is also manufactured by Merck. And this also includes varicella, which we're going to talk about in just a minute. And this was approved in 2005. Both of these vaccines are live vaccines, and neither of them contain aluminum. The CDC states that the first dose of the ProQuad vaccine, which is the one that also has varicella, is associated with rash and higher rates of fever than if you just did the MMR vaccine and the varicella vaccine separately. Seizures caused by fever are also reported more often with that ProQuad vaccine. So that may be something that you want to consider when you are thinking about giving the MMR vaccine and the varicella vaccine, whether you want to do the combo vaccine, that ProQuad that has all of them, or do them separately. So the varicella vaccine, varicella is also known as chickenpox. I know when I was a kid, I remember getting chickenpox. It was not so much fun. The most common symptoms are a rash and itching, fever, and tiredness. The varicella vaccine is given in two doses, the first one between 12 to 18 months and the second one four to six years. There is only one brand of varicella vaccine, and this is called Verivax. It's manufactured by Merck. It was approved in 1995. And this is a live vaccine, and one of the possible side effects on this is a mild rash which can pop up at the injection site or anywhere else on the body. This is not 100% effective, this vaccine. Although if your child does get the vaccine and then they get chickenpox, it should be more mild than if they had never received the vaccine. And the varicella vaccine does not contain any aluminum. 
The very last vaccine on the recommended schedule is for hepatitis A, which is a viral liver disease that can cause mild to severe illness. The virus is transmitted through ingestion of contaminated food and water or through direct contact with somebody who is infected. Almost everybody recovers fully from hepatitis A and they come out of that with lifelong immunity. But a very small proportion of people infected with hepatitis A could die from a complication that's known as fulminant hepatitis. The risk of hepatitis A infection is associated with a lack of safe water or poor sanitation and hygiene, and this tends to be less common in more developed countries. I will link to information from the World Health Organization on hepatitis A in the show notes. This is a two-dose vaccine that's done sometime between 12 to 24 months, and usually that shot's going to be 6 to 18 months apart. This is an inactivated vaccine, and there are three different manufacturers that produce it. The first is Havrix, which is made by GlaxoSmithKline. This was approved in 1995. With this one, there's two doses, the first one between 12 to 24 months, and the second one is going to be 6 to 12 months after that. The pediatric dose of this has 0.25 milligrams of aluminum. The second one is Vacta, which is manufactured by Merck. This was approved in 1996. There's two doses of this as well. The first one between 12 to 24 months, and then the second one is going to be 6 to 18 months after that. And this contains 0.225 milligrams of aluminum, so slightly lower than the Havrix. And then the last option for this vaccine is Twinrix. And this protects against both hepatitis A and hepatitis B. This is manufactured by GlaxoSmithKline, and it was approved in 2001. There's three doses to this vaccine, so one more than the Havrix and the Vacta. And this is done at zero months, one, and six months. So basically, it contains Havrix for the Hep A and then Injerix B for the Hep B. This shot contains 0.45 milligrams of aluminum, which is higher than the other two hepatitis A options, but it does also contain the hepatitis B vaccine. Oh my goodness. So that was a lot of data and rambling on all these different vaccines. You can see that this stuff is really confusing. There are some additional combination vaccines that may have not been mentioned. So I'm going to link to all of the approved vaccines on the CDC website in the show notes, and you can see a list of all those manufacturers. I really do encourage you to visit the show notes and read the package inserts to compare different vaccines if you are vaccinating your child so that you can make an informed decision as to which one you prefer. And please talk to your pediatrician about your options and get their professional opinion on this stuff. You know, I've mentioned at the end of, I think, every episode that I've done on vaccines that there's just not perfectly placebo-controlled, double-blind, long-term studies on all of this stuff. It just does not exist. The CDC, the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American Congress of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, they all back the opinion that vaccines are safe and recommended. 
But at the same time, I'm not going to ignore some of the other concerns that have been being raised about vaccines. And that's why I covered a lot of those in the last episode. To recap today's episode, we basically just went through every vaccine preventable disease, talked about what the disease is, and went through different options for each vaccine. This is the final episode on vaccines, and I am looking forward to moving on to some new topics. Next week, I'm going to be revisiting what you need to know as soon as you find out that you are pregnant. This is one of the very first episodes I did, but this is not just a rebroadcast. So I'm going back and digging through a ton of information And I want to revisit that and update it and talk about everything that you need to know as soon as you are pregnant. As always, you can contact me, Vanessa, at PregnancyPodcast.com. You can find notes and resources for this episode at PregnancyPodcast.com forward slash episode 67. 